Welcome back to the 3rd and 15 podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Timmerman, and I don't know, can you smell that? Can you smell it? I can smell it. College football starts this weekend, and I it caught me off guard. I didn't realize, I guess I hadn't paid close enough attention to scheduling that, that they're doing a week zero. Um, week zero is a concept that, that I first heard of uh, covering high school football in South Carolina. And uh, what it allows a lot of teams to do is it just gets you an extra bye week. Obviously, if you start a week earlier than everybody else, um, you lose a week of practice, but you get an extra bye week later in the season. And not a ton of teams have taken advantage of it. Uh, in, in FBS level, we've just got five games, and that's what I'm going to focus on is the FBS level. But, man... I am so excited about another full year of college football. I don't know about where you are, but where I am, COVID cases are worse now than they have been. But sports are pressing on and, and acting as though nothing's going on. So that's what we're going to do for this the sake of this podcast, at least for now. Um, and so there are five games on Saturday. The first game is Nebraska-Illinois. Now... I'm going to talk a little bit about these games. First of all, Nebraska. I'm pretty sure Scott Frost was my uh, was my pick, my uh, hot seat coach from the Big Ten. And uh, right out of the gate, he gets a um, <laughs> what should not be a, 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 a showcase game necessarily, but um, alas, it will be. Uh, let's see. Let's double check something real quick. Um, yeah, so he's going to get, he and the, the Cornhuskers are going to get a showcase game right out of the gate. We, we're talking Nebraska, we're talking Illinois. Now, these two teams, they struggled a little bit last year. Nebraska went 3-5 and five in the Big Ten. Of course, they, there was a Big Ten-only schedule last year, but they went 3-5, and five. and uh so that, that's not good. That's not what you're looking for. And Illinois, two and six. So these are not great teams from a year ago. But they're coming on right out of the gate. Um, this says 1 p.m., but I am pretty sure that is not correct. I think it's a noon game. No, it's 1. It is 1 o'clock Eastern time. Anyway, it's on Fox. So it's the only game in that first slot period there is a 2 o'clock game between UConn and Fresno, but that's on CBS Sports Network. So the entirety of the college football world will be watching when Nebraska takes on Illinois. Why is that important? Well, there, there's going to be, I would assume, another set of rankings that comes out that following Monday. Even if it doesn't, even if there's another, even if rankings don't come out until um, the next week after the, the, the real first set of games. Every voter, at least in the AP poll, and a lot of the voters in the coaches poll, are going to be watching this Nebraska-Illinois game. If one of these teams can come out and make a statement, maybe they get into the, that, that next poll, whenever that, that next poll does come out. The other thing that this will be important is, especially in this Nebraska-Illinois game, every year there are Games like this that can start the case for a team becoming ranked. Now, sometimes that turns out fine. 
Sometimes that turns out there's a team that ends up 7-6. and six, They lose a bowl game in a non-impressive fashion. And there's a team that we had ranked for three quarters of the season that wasn't very good. And we look back and we go, how was that team ranked? And you connect the dots. And it comes back to a game like this one. Nebraska beats the brakes off Illinois. We give a little love to Nebraska. Let's see what Nebraska has coming up after this. Um, Nebraska plays Fordham and then Buffalo and then Oklahoma. So the odds are not good for Nebraska building any steam. But let's say they, they beat Illinois and they beat Fordham and they beat Buffalo and, and there's some losses and Nebraska sneaks up into the top 25. Well, then they lose to Oklahoma. But let's say they lose close. And then they beat Michigan State in, on, on September 25th. Well, now you're starting to build a case. Even if they lose the rest of those games, the teams that beat them, Northwestern on October 2nd, Michigan on October 9th, those teams get the cachet of having beat a team that was ranked. And a lot of times the voters, especially because of the way that process works in, in, the, in the traditional polls, it corrects itself a little bit in the committee poll. But in the traditional polls, you'll see sometimes other teams' resumes built on kind of a lie. <laughs> built on what we thought we knew about this Nebraska team. And it all goes back to a game like this one, particularly when you have a conference game getting the full spotlight right out of the gate this Saturday, 1 p.m. on Fox, Nebraska, Illinois. So that game could be a game that builds to something down the road. Maybe not for one of the, the winner of this game, but for the teams that beat the winner of this game. Then, like I said, you have UConn and Fresno State at 2 p.m. Then we have another game at 3.30 on ESPN, and it's involving another one of those coaches that I highlighted as being potentially on the hot seat. Chip Kelly and UCLA will host University of Hawaii. Now, University of Hawaii is not anything special, but again, 3.30 on ESPN, people will watch Way more people will be watching this game than would be watching it if it was the next week. All right, when you've got uh, all of those showcase games between you know Georgia and Clemson and uh, Alabama and Miami and the, the several other games that we have that next weekend, um, people are going to watch because it's at three it's at three thirty on ESPN when there's really not a lot else going to be on at that point. And Chip Kelly, I mean, it's hard to see where he wouldn't be on the hot seat. Um, especially if Hawaii can can give them fits, or or even worse, um, if if they can uh, if if Hawaii can knock off UCLA. But the reverse is also true. If UCLA can come out and show that they've made some progress, can can maybe um, maybe run run away with this game against Hawaii. Maybe they do just what I was saying about the last game. Maybe they can turn around and um, get, get some get some love in the polls. And then they have UCL or excuse me, they have LSU on Saturday, September fourth, uh, the late game on Fox. And I'm going to be honest with you, I I don't know what to expect from LSU this year. So UCLA does have the potential to build a little momentum. They've got Hawaii, then they have LSU, then they have Fresno, then they have UCL or Stanford, then they have Arizona State, then Arizona, and, and then they get to mid, mid-October is when they have Washington and Oregon. You could, especially if UCLA can knock off LSU, and again, I, I know that 
uh, especially in this part of the country, I'm from Georgia, the tendency is going to be to think that the SEC team just runs away from the Pac-12 team. I didn't see a whole lot from LSU last year that makes me think that this year there's somebody that UCLA can't beat. Um, Particularly when you consider that it's a home game for UCLA. So this game on Saturday is very important for UCLA, and and it could be even more important for, again, other teams down the road. Even if UCLA isn't the team that that can step up and and finally make the Pac-12 look relevant, um, they play the teams that can. They play Oregon on or Washington on uh, October 16th followed by Oregon the following weekend on October 23rd. And then, of course, October 20th, they play USC. Those are three teams that, uh, at least at the beginning, seem the most likely to be able to give the Pac-12 a playoff representative or get closer to that. And if UCLA can make some noise early, that's really going to help those other teams. Uh, Then the, the last two games we have... Uh, UTEP playing North Me- New Mexico North Mexico State. Boy, howdy. Uh, UTEP playing New Mexico State at 9.30. That's not on television or at least on national television. And then the evening wraps up with pause while I figure out who this is. SUU. Southern Utah. Holy smokes. Playing at San Jose State. Boy, if you're staying up watching that one, it starts at 10 p.m. this Saturday. It's on CBS Sports Network. If you're staying up to watch that when you were committed to this sport, I will not be watching that game. I can almost assure you. Um, but I, I do feel like I'll, I'll catch catch a little bit of that Nebraska-Illinois and that Hawaii-UCLA probably a little bit. So, uh, those are the games this weekend. And again, there's a really good chance for particularly Nebraska-Illinois-UCLA to start making some noise and build a resume to maybe, maybe do something special this season. So I hinted at it a little bit in the last segment, but where these games this weekend can be most important is to start building the resumes for um, other teams, really. Uh, Since we last recorded, the AP poll came out. We talked about the coaches poll last time, I believe. Um, so we'll run down. Yeah, it was it was the it was the coaches poll because Cincinnati was number ten, and we talked about that a lot. This time, I'm going to break this down into some tiers of, of what we can expect. Now that we're getting close to the season starting, starting, let's talk about some tiers for for these teams. So if the, if these rankings work out really well because those first five teams in the AP poll, we're talking about Alabama, Oklahoma, Clemson, Ohio State, and Georgia, um, especially those first four. Sorry, Georgia fans. You're in a little bit different class about what I'm talking about. There have been 28 slots in the playoffs since the playoffs began in 2014 because you got 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20. Seven seasons, four spots. That's 28. That's the kind of math I can do. That's the kind of math I'm good at. Uh, six of those spots went to Clemson in 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20. Six of those spots went to Alabama in 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and 20. So that's 12. All right. Oklahoma, they made it in 15. They made it 
in 17. They made it in 18 and 19, I believe. So that's four spots. Ohio State, they made it in 14, won the title. Made it in 16, got shut out by Clemson. Got to throw that in there any chance I get. Then they made it in 19. And then finally they made it in 20 when they when they got their revenge on Clemson and made it to the national championship game. So that's four. So between those four teams, you've got 20 of the 28 playoff spots. Georgia also has a playoff spot. Notre Dame has two. Washington, Michigan State, Florida State, Oregon. Oh, man, I'm missing one. Who am I forgetting? LSU, that's right. 2019 national champions. So that's all 28 spots. So uh, Georgia will lump them in because Georgia has been the number. We, we've talked about this a couple of episodes ago. Georgia has been not in the playoffs as much as those other four teams, but they've been on the edge two or three times. Those five teams have been kind of uh, the, the teams to beat in the playoffs. And honestly, every year that Georgia hasn't been in, one of the reasons they haven't is because Alabama or LSU has. Uh, if they were, if Georgia took their same resume and got airdropped into the Pac-12, they they would be in the playoffs several of those years. So you're talking about um, the five elite programs of the playoff era, for the most part. Any of those teams goes 11 and one or 12 and one and and wins their conference or. Uh, 12 and one, and they lost their conference title game. And in the, in the case of maybe Georgia or Alabama, goes undefeated in the regular season and loses in the SEC. Those are five teams that, as long as they don't lose twice, they're in the playoffs pretty much. Uh, Clemson's probably got the most tenuous position there. You might think Oklahoma, but for Oklahoma to have one loss, that means that they either went undefeated in the regular season um, and then lost to a team they had already beaten. Or reverse, they went 11-1 and and avenged their only loss because of the way the Big 12 is set up. Uh, or it's possible that they had some kind of weird loss. Maybe they lose to Texas, but Iowa State's the second-best team in the Big 12, and Oklahoma beat them twice. So uh, Oklahoma, by nature of their, their conference, even though I do not like the way the Big 12 is set up, uh, they go 12-1, and they're going to be in the playoffs. Um, and then, so, so Clemson's the most tenuous because they really don't have a lot of room to play with. They don't, they could lose to Georgia. That's one they could lose, um, and, and win the rest of the way and get into the playoffs, particularly if it's a close loss. Uh, but other than that, they don't have a lot of games on the schedule that they can really afford to lose. But I still think because of the past resume, they'll probably get in, uh, Long as they're as long as their one loss isn't in the ACC championship game, as long as they win the ACC, I think they get in with one loss. Below that, you have some teams that probably get in with one loss, but will need some help. Uh, Texas A&M, Iowa State, Iowa State similar to Oklahoma. If they only have one loss, that means they've beaten Oklahoma at some point. So that means they're in the they're in the they're in play for the playoffs, um, especially if. Their one loss is a regular season loss to Oklahoma, and then they win the Big 12 championship. Iowa State has a shot. Uh, Cincinnati, I'm going to skip. Cincinnati has to go undefeated, even though they're number eight in the AP, which means they've got a great chance. If they can, we, we went over their schedule, I'm not going to do it again. They've got a great chance to get in. 
if they go undefeated. They do not have the schedule where they can afford to lose, though. But below them, Notre Dame. Notre Dame, again, uh, I'm going to harp on my part of the country, but there's this perception that Notre Dame doesn't play anyone. Well, Notre Dame has nine FBS opponents, or nine Power 5 opponents on their schedule. Florida State, Purdue, Wisconsin, Virginia Tech, Southern Cal, North Carolina, Virginia, Georgia Tech, and Stanford. They have a 10th game against Cincinnati that's, again, the highest-rated opponent that they play. Uh, Cincinnati's number 8. They also play Wisconsin, who's currently number 12. They have Southern Cal that's 15. They have North Carolina that's currently 10th. And then they have teams like Virginia, Stanford, Virginia Tech, that I think, and even Florida State, their opener, that I think could end up ranked before the end of the year. All that to say, if someone tells you that Notre Dame doesn't play a strong enough schedule, don't listen to them. They play nine Power 5 teams and Cincinnati. They play multiple teams that are ranked to start the season and several more that potentially could be ranked either after Notre Dame beats them or plays them or before um, or by the time they play, like Virginia Tech, for instance, Virginia Tech could be ranked. That, that, that's highly possible. In fact, I'm sure Virginia Tech, nope, they didn't. They didn't receive any votes. But I feel like Virginia Tech's a team that could be, you know, they did receive votes in the, in the coaches' poll. So all that to say, Notre Dame's schedule is very strong. They have losses. They have games they can lose and get in the playoffs. If Notre Dame loses to Wisconsin at Wisconsin in late September, They've got enough wins on the schedule after that that they could get back in the mix for the playoffs. In North Carolina, I don't think North Carolina... North Carolina is the, the very edge um, that I don't know that they can afford to lose a game and still get in the playoffs. Uh, one exception, I think they can lose to Notre Dame. That's the one game on their schedule that I think they can lose because they lose to Notre Dame. Notre Dame's not an ACC team this year as far as the, the, the standings go. Um, North Carolina loses that game. They can still get into the ACC championship against Clemson. If they lose to Notre Dame and then beat Clemson, they're in. Other than that, I just don't see a scenario where uh, Miami beats North Carolina. Miami loses two other games. North Carolina, I, I just, maybe a lot of stuff would have to happen. Um, but below that, you've got a bunch of teams, Oregon, is 11th. They haven't been in the playoffs since the first year. Completely different Oregon squad. They're, they're two coaches they're two coaches beyond that point at this point, I think. Uh, Wisconsin's been on the edge, it seems like, almost as much as Georgia has. Uh, Florida, Miami, Southern Cal, LSU, Indiana, Iowa, Penn State, Washington, Texas, Coastal Carolina, Louisiana, Utah, and Arizona State round out the top 25. So, who are some teams that I think can maybe either make that first trip to the playoffs or um, they can make a return trip to the playoffs? You know, Oregon, it feels like they, they haven't been in the playoffs, even though they were in the first national championship game. If you remember they of the playoff era, they beat Florida State in the semifinals and then lost to Ohio State in that championship game with Marcus Mariota. Um, so Oregon's been there, but it doesn't feel like it. 
But who are some teams that can maybe make a run? Well, the, the first the first team that you have to look at is, is number 12, Wisconsin. Uh, they play in the Big Ten. They play in the Big Ten West. Is that correct? Yes, it's no longer Legends and Leaders. So that right there, they get... Um, and they have the favorable schedule. They don't play Ohio State in the regular season. They do play Penn State right out the gate on Saturday, November uh, September 4th. That's a, that's a great game to, to kick off that Saturday with. My goodness. Penn State, Wisconsin at Newton Fox. We'll talk about that again. We'll talk about that next week. But Wisconsin has the games. They have Penn State. They have Notre Dame at home. Penn State is also at home. They get Michigan at home on uh, October 2nd. Wisconsin is a team that has the schedule that they can, if they can just get through Iowa on on October 30th, this, this, they will have a resume that will have them in position. They'll be top 10. If, if they don't lose, they don't slip up. If they beat Notre Dame on uh, September 25th, they'll be in top 10 easily. If they can do that, then they're set up to where they can get one crack at Ohio State, probably, in the Big Ten Championship game. Win that, you're in the playoffs. Wisconsin is a team that if if anybody is going to crack that, you know, obviously Texas A&M's right there too. I mean, I'm skipping past those teams in 6 through 10 that we've already established. The path is already there. Um, I just don't know. I, I don't. And there's nobody in that group that I have a lot of faith in. So largely because Texas A&M will have to beat probably Alabama and Georgia. Uh, they definitely have to beat Alabama. I don't see Alabama losing twice in the SEC this year. Um, not in the regular season. I've been wrong before, but I just don't see that happening. So Texas A&M will have to beat Alabama. They do get Alabama at home. Um, but then even if they do that, they'd probably have to beat Georgia to get into the, to get into the playoffs. And that's not, that's not counting the trip to Death Valley, the other Death Valley, not the right Death Valley, but the other Death Valley for LSU to close out the season. That's not counting. Boy, this is a, not a hard schedule at all for Texas A&M. But because of that, they can't afford to slip up. Uh, so the Texas A&M could crash the party. Um, I'm really kind of trying to, to look outside of the top ten, but Texas A&M certainly... Cincinnati, Iowa State, it's going to be tough, but they can do it. Um, but Wisconsin is the first of the uh, the teams that maybe not a lot of people are talking about. But I think Wisconsin's set up. They've always got a strong team. They've always got uh, very fundamentally sound on defense, play a lot of low-scoring games. And uh, if they can just get to Ohio State, if they can get to Ohio State 12-0, maybe 11-1 even, and beat Ohio State, they can get in the playoffs. Florida, I don't think they've got the juice this year. Miami, I just don't trust them. USC at 15, okay? This is one that I really, really like. They've got their uh, quarterback, uh, Keaton Slovis, I believe is how you pronounce that. He is a two-time returning starter. I think he started two years in a row. Um... Let me look that up real, real quick. I believe this is his third year as a starter. It 
is, yes. Last year he had a pretty good year, 177 completions and 264 attempts. That is a 67 completion percentage, uh, 17 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. Uh, really blew up in that championship game against Oregon. But if you remember, that was a really tricky situation. They were not preparing for Oregon. They were preparing for somebody else. I don't recall who. And that other team had a uh, had issues with, um, let's look that up, had issues with COVID. And at the last minute, um, USC had to switch and prepare for Oregon. I believe it was Utah. Let's look this up. But um, anyway, all that to say, Southern Cal got a raw deal. Slovis was terrible in that game. Um, yes, it was. It was Washington. Um. Yeah, it was Washington that was unable to make the the, the trip there. So, while Slovis was terrible in that game, you kind of give him a pass. That was that was a little bit of an unfair circumstance. The COVID season was was bad, and three of his seven interceptions came in that game. So he just played terrible. He just played bad. Uh, the year before, 2019, uh, completed 282 of his 392 passes for a 71.9 completion percentage, 3,500 yards, 30 touchdowns, nine interceptions. I think USC, with a three-year starter, they've got some solid running backs as well. I really think um, that USC is a team that can grab. We talked about uh, Virginia Tech. A couple weeks ago, and we talked about Justin Fuente and how Virginia Tech, the that ACC Coastal is ripe for the picking for somebody to step up and be that team. Well, <laughs> there's no conference that is that way more than the Pac-12 right now. The Pac-12 is ripe for somebody to step up and say we're gonna take this season by the throat. We're going to take this conference by the throat. And Southern Cal has the cachet that when they start racking up wins, um, when they start racking up wins, they're going to get the attention. And um, Southern Cal opens this this season with uh, San Jose State on September 4th, then Stanford, then Washington State. They really don't get into the meat of their schedule until October. But in October... And, and that, that's honestly, that's going to be good for them because they're going to be able to really, if they take care of business against San Jose State, Stanford, Washington State, Oregon State, and Colorado, uh, they'll come into a matchup against you, probably a ranked Utah. They're 24th right now with a lot of momentum. They're probably going to be a top 10 team. And then they play Utah, Notre Dame, in South Bend. That game is the season for Southern Cal, I think then Arizona, then Arizona State. If that stretch from October 9th through November 6th makes the season for Southern Cal, if they can get through that, I think Southern Cal probably has to be undefeated. Again, Notre Dame is the key for them too. They can maybe lose a close one to Notre Dame and still have a shot. But they really don't have a ton of impressive games on the schedule other than that. I mean, they play a full schedule. They play nine 
conference games in the Pac-12. Their non-conferences are Notre Dame, BYU, and San Jose State. That's not a bad non-conference schedule. There's nothing to knock Southern Cal for when it comes to scheduling, but they just they, they, they don't play Oregon in the regular season. Playing, They could really use, especially if they lose to Notre Dame or they lose to um, Arizona State uh, on the road, if they lose one of those games, they could really use a team like Oregon stepping up in the north uh, or Washington stepping up and being a, you know, Southern Cal comes in as 11 and 1 and they're uh, number 8 in the country. They need Washington to be 11 and 1 and number 10 in the country to give them a chance to, to maybe vote. But I, I think Southern Cal, number 15, that's a team we have to watch for as a team that can rise up and crash that playoff party this year. A couple others down below that. Penn State, obviously, if they can figure something out and beat Ohio State, they have a chance. Washington is the opposite side of the coin from Southern Cal. I could see them making some some noise. Um, so those are some outside of the box. I mean, obviously, you can go out and, and reach down and find um, an Oklahoma State uh, team like Michigan is obviously, you know, starting the season unranked. But they've got the games on the schedule that if, if they uh, – They've got the games on the schedule that if Michigan goes undefeated, Michigan goes 11-1 and in the regular season but, but beats Ohio State and then they win the Big Ten, they're going to be in the playoffs, even though they're unranked now. I, I don't see it. Again, my pick is Southern Cal uh, to, come out of, to, to come out of the, you know, outside the top ten and, and make the playoffs. But, but crazier things have happened than, than Michigan suddenly figuring it out. So, um, all that to say, uh, again, this is a. I'm, I'm really looking forward to Saturday. It's kind of a fun way to kind of ease into the college football season with just a few games and only really a couple that are that are a big deal that are even close to a big deal. I would. I certainly wouldn't call. Uh, what was it? Illinois and Nebraska a big deal, but it is being played on Saturday, so I. I I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to Hawaii, UCLA, see if maybe the fighting Chip Kellys can can get going. But I'll go ahead and tell you this. Flip side of the coin is true as well. Nebraska gets waxed by Illinois or UCLA loses to Hawaii. The seat goes from kind of warm to flaming hot right away. So anyway, enjoy this first weekend of college football. Uh, We'll do it again next week and we'll we'll talk about a full slate. I'm also going to be appearing on the uh, View from the Couch podcast with my friend Jamie Cheek. So if you uh, get a chance, look that one up. And uh, we'll be talking about more specifically the Georgia-Clemson game there. So I'm not going to spend a ton of time dwelling on that game next week because I want to break down what went over, what, what, what has already gone down in the games that are happening this Saturday. And we'll look ahead to the whole slate next week. So you guys have a great week, a great weekend, and we'll see you next time. 